seconds flat. Give me up. This is the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. He's been broken three times. He refuses to give in. He might do it. Look at that guy. Look at Blake Zero. Oh, my gosh. Hello again, friends, and welcome to Mile 169 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast presented by Columbus Running Company. Travis here alongside my good friend, Dr. Phil. Phil, how are you? Oh, it's good to see you, Travis. It is great to see you. It's a Thursday evening as we record. It is flashing on my screen that Caitlin Clark has just broken the NCAA career scoring record for women's basketball. What an athlete, Phil. Oh, she is fantastic to watch. It's amazing the quality of women's basketball over the past couple of years and how much more parity there is just across, not even the top of the top 10, but really throughout the NCAA between South Carolina, UConn, uh, with Caitlin Clark's dominance. I have started to fall in love with the women's game. Yeah, it's been great how many eyes that she in particular has Mm-hmm. brought to the game the attendance numbers at her recent games i mean they're all sellouts yeah it's it's great and uh, speaking of south carolina i see they are presently yeah, in a tussle with tennessee Ooh. yeah you're getting tennessee talks. right yeah it is uh it's all tied up here in the second half so we'll be uh, chiming in with live scoring updates <laughs> from knoxville uh on live a... updates that you will catch uh, <laughs> yeah. this is recorded and in, in your uh spotify in a day or two yeah, people will long know the result, but that'll be fun. <laughs> hey, Phil, next weekend, Greenville Half Marathon. You're coming down to celebrate, man. The, the, be good. Yeah, the self-proclaimed fastest race in the South. For those of you competing, please remember we did a course preview a few years ago in episode 74. Also, we have a course video up on YouTube. If you just search Seconds Flat or Greenville Half Marathon, you can find that. The start of the course has changed slightly since then, but most of the event will look the same. And also, as you said, Phil, I am going to make the trip down. We got a lot of our friends and athletes competing, and I figured, what the heck, I'll go out there and and join them. So we'll be there for the race, and we want to invite everyone to a pre-race warm-up open for the group. It's a 7.30 gun, so we're going to meet at 6.30. Uh, for anyone who wants to jump into a, a little jog, maybe some drills, plan is to meet on the south side of Gateway Park. So Gateway Park is where the race starts. Uh, so south side of the park off of Center Street in Traveler's mm-hmm. Rest. So that's the side of the park near the TR Library. It's good and, parking there at the library for the race as well. Yeah, there's a public parking lot there. So if you're in there before 630, you should be able to get a nice parking spot near the start line and then join us for the fun out at the race. So looking forward to uh, being live on the Swamp Rabbit uh, for the big race next weekend, Phil. So any uh, any early predictions regarding either your own performance or uh, I haven't looked at the start list yet in terms of who's coming, but there's always a couple of big names you know, yeah, across the country that show up to uh, 
run a fast time. There'll be some good names. There's some good local names who are going to be there as well. No, I'm not going to make any predictions about myself. This was kind of a, a last minute choice, uh, mainly just because I'm super excited to to see everybody and yeah. had a bib. So why not use it? And uh, it'll just be it'll be fun to be back on a track that I've run hundreds of times, many of them with you. Probably and, thousands of miles along that strip of uh, yeah, asphalt. You, you know what? I, it, I think about how intimately we know that uh, Every, every that single foot rise and... Uh, yeah bump in the trail yep yeah a lot of good memories so that should be fun hope anyone can uh, get out and join us before the race if you have questions about the meetup or even also just about the race strategy all that kind of stuff of course email the show secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you well and uh, as a psa for the race please plan on not using the restroom in people's front yards. This is something that always gets a lot of negative feedback on the Traveler's Rest Facebook groups and a lot of pushback with the guys that that organize the race. So as a favor to them and as a PSA to the community, please plan to use the porta johns and the restrooms that they will have there because the neighbors do not like the runners using the bushes. I didn't realize that was such a touchy oh, issue. Oh, it is a yeah. hot topic up in Traveler's Rest. Well, and, and that's a big city, so you know, that's right. a lot of pressing issues. All right, well, keep it classy, people. Let's let's be good to the fellow running community members. Uh, Phil, there has been a ton of action since we last spoke uh, as we previewed the Olympic trials a couple of weeks ago. Let's hit this in reverse chronological order, starting with what happened this morning, uh, American time. We had the first stop on the World Athletics Gold Continental Tour. That's at the Maury Plant Meet in Melbourne. I caught some of the early AM stream, Phil. I am glad to hear that you caught this live. I saw the results, and what a fantastic start list, and just adds a little bit more to the mystique of what's coming in Paris this summer. But tell us about the race. Yeah, the John Landy Mile was the highlight, and as you said, to the mystique of what's coming in Paris, we spoke before we began recording here, the, the men's 1500 is quickly stacking up to be a potential race of the Olympics. And in the mile today, the John Landy mile at the Maury Plant meet, it was Stewie McSwain. Coming back off injury, he appears to be rounding into form. He held off 2023 world champ Jake Whiteman at the line in 352. Aussie teen sensation Cam Myers was third in a PB of 352.4. That precocious pup is a stud. And it was Kiwi Sam Tanner in fourth at 353 low. It was a fun race. There was a big move in the last 200 to kind of separate those front three. It looked like Whiteman was swinging wide to make the move to win. Uh, But Stewie, who had the lead, was able to hold him off from the rail. And Myers appeared to have a misstep, uh, maybe a little tied up, clipped uh, with less than 50 meters to go. Or he might have been right there in a blanket finish. So his future is bright. I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, puts his nose in an Olympic final even this year as a teenager. He he is on track uh, right there with what Ingebrigtsen was doing at this time, you know, five, six years ago. So. Uh, Cam Myers is, uh, he's an exciting one to watch. The other big action, it was uh, Jack Rayner took the men's 5K in 13-16. And the women's 5K up front was really great. Uh, Rose Davies edged Izzy Bat Doyle in that women's 5,000. 
She ran 1457, which was a meet record. Fun start to the season down under, Phil. It's summer down there, so they can get the track season started. To me, it's exciting to see what, what McSwain's doing, what Whiteman's doing. To me, this is a bit of a preview, number one, that those guys are healthy. But mm-hmm. like we said, leading into the Olympic 1500, we got Ingebrigtsen, who's rehabbing an injury. We have uh, Josh Kerr, who we'll talk about in a moment. We have Whiteman. We have McSwain, which the trash talk leading in has been fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but my way too early prediction is that none of those guys win the 1500 Ooh. this summer. And that it is a dark horse out of nowhere that takes gold in that race. Well, we okay. see what comes through the spring with the outdoor season. Uh-huh. There's a lot of months between between here and there. It's my way too early take on that. Okay. Well, hey, our Olympic trials marathon predictions weren't bad. Do it's you? True. So do you, are you going to put a name out now? Or are you just saying like you're taking the field against those guys? I'm taking the field against those guys. Okay. I'm going to tell you who I don't think will take. That is recently suspended Mo Katir from Spain after a third whereabouts failure. There's there's nothing to see here. They just, (laughs) he didn't fill out his paperwork correctly. Hey, on a serious note, we can miss you once. We can maybe miss you twice. They give you three chances. Figure it out, Mo. You're a professional athlete. That is your job. Yeah, I don't have a lot of sympathy. If he's clean, well, too bad. He says there's an administrative error. So uh, we'll let it play out and make a decision after they've ruled on it. Let's move inside to the boards at the Armory. Records fell like late autumn leaves at the Milrose Games on Saturday. Uh, no, that was Sunday afternoon. And, and right. Phil. Let me say that was the best action of Super Bowl Sunday, in my opinion. The football oh, it's game. It's not Super Bowl Sunday. It is Milrose Sunday. That's right, I, baby. I turned that football game off at the end of the third quarter, frustrated with the turnovers and the poor play that was displayed, not to mention the terrible halftime show. But let's talk about a fantastic <laughs> show that was the Milrose games. Clearly, uh, you're not an Usher fan. It was three quarters of mediocre football. You're right. And then it had a good ending. It did. <laughs> uh, but, the, but the Milrose games delivered from start to finish. What was your highlight favorite race there? Oh, to start off with, just the women's 60-meter hurdles world record going down in a race that wasn't really expected for that to happen with Divine Charlton uh, running a 7.67. I thought the most exciting race was the men's two mile with Josh Kerr calling his shot 10 weeks ago of breaking the world record and running eight minutes for the two mile, which he did. Finished in eight minutes, flats, 0.67. Beat Grant Fisher, who came in second in his first race after leaving Bowerman. So it's good to see him running well. As well, Grant Fisher got the American record running 803.62. But just watching how that race was executed, it was rabbited out for the first, uh, what was it, 2,000 maybe? Yeah, yeah, it was 2,000. Um, and Rabbit stepped off. Grant Fisher took the lead. Kerr looked like he was happy just to sit on Fisher's shoulder for essentially the whole race. And knowing that he was going for that record almost looked like he towel- threw the towel in with a few laps to go, at which point, you know, 400 meters out, he just goes right around Grant Fisher, leaves him behind, and closes beautifully. Uh, I think his splits were like a 4.03 for the first mile, 3.57 for the second mile. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So what, what an incredible race. To me, that was the highlight of the meet. I'm with you. It was not just Josh Kerr breaking the record, but as you said, the way in which he did it, settling in beside, behind Fisher, unleashing that ferocious kick. In addition to Kerr's world record, hey, by the way, whose world record was that, Phil? Ooh, Ingebrigtsen? Ingebrigtsen has the outdoor record. Yeah. Yeah, it's your, your boy, Sir Mo. Ooh. Yeah. 803, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I know. So in addition to that and the American record, Cole Hawker went 805. That would have clipped Galen Rupp's mm-hmm. American record. No more Galen Rupp in the record books. Uh, we made this prediction like a year or so ago that uh-huh. he would disappear and everyone would forget him. And it's happened yep. quickly. It's the <laughs> end of an era. Yes. Yeah, it sure is. But also, uh, how about Jordy Beamish right behind mm-hmm. Hawker, also in 805? Uh, the Kiwi is ascending after a great first season of steeplechase. I think he's a medal threat in Paris in the I steeplechase. Think so. Absolutely. He ran a New Zealand record, and behind him, Morgan McDonald ran an Aussie record. So mm-hmm. national records just getting clipped left and right in that men's two-mile. That was really a scintillating race, Phil. I, that was also my high point. Yes. Well, and now in the coming days after that, the entertainment has continued as Britson has said that he would have beaten Josh Kerr blindfolded. Is that a real quote? It is. As he was interviewed uh, a couple of days ago, as he's aqua jogging in the pool, recovering from injury, saying that he would have won that race blindfolded. To be fair, he, he holds the world record in outdoor at his time, I think is 754 for the, for the yeah. record, but yeah. uh, he's got to get back to training if he wants to be in the mix. I got to tell you, I hope he runs Paris blindfolded. I can't wait to see it. Other great action. I also loved what Ellie St. Pierre did in the Wanamaker Mile. Uh, she's returned from childbirth with a vengeance. 416.4 gives her an American record behind her. Jess Hall set an Aussie record in 419. Well, the competition there with, with Hall have, having beat her the week before, mm-hmm. um, with the two of them just racing head to head for essentially the whole race. Yep. Um, that, was a, that was an exciting event. And women's two mile was great too. Uh, Laura Muir got the victory via a weird DQ. It happened immediately in the race. Uh, I watched this girl step in so hard, like on her first and second stride. And it caught me off guard as she <laughs> cut in. And I thought, well, that wasn't legal. And nothing really was said of it until, of course, the race was over and they went back and disqualified her. So that left Laura Muir as your victor. She went 904.8. She's diversifying her portfolio here ahead of World Indoors. Uh, given the depth at her primary event in the mile, this is fun to see. She's mm-hmm. uh, got a national record there. She she showed plenty of strength, stretching out the distance and still closing in 62-ish. And we did have an American record as well. Alicia Monson took that home with a 909.7. And then closed out the day. Boy, was that a fun one with the men's Wanamaker mile. Yara oh, Nagoose. Yeah. He did all the work once the pacer dropped. And Nagoose barely missed his own American best mark, finishing in 347.8. Young Hobbs Kessler continues a nice stretch as runner-up in 348.8. That's a shiny new personal best for Mm -hmm. Hobbs. And how about the British depth at the mid-distances right now, Phil? We told you what Kerr did. We know Jake Whiteman has world-class bona fides. Uh, George Mills ran Mm -hmm. third here in 348.9. That's right off the heels of his sub-13 5K at Boston. 
And plus the the up and comer maybe in this group, countryman Adam Fogg. Fog Dog went 349. So yeah, mommy, mommy. The Brits are coming. Yes. Yeah. So listen to those times. It sounds like Hobbs Kessler was right behind Nagoose, but Nagoose basically led that race from the moment the, the pacer stepped off and really didn't have anybody pushing him for any of the race. Yeah, he really uh, so he a, did. Just a strong performance for him. Total control. Uh, it's interesting because, you know, last year he broke an American record in this event. He was just ever so slightly fractionally off that time. But frankly, I thought this was more commanding. Yeah. It, it, it's encouraging uh, what we'll see him do coming up. It got U.S. indoors coming up. Uh, there's all kind of action in the, in the next week or so. We'll have plenty to, to cover the next time we get back to you. Uh, but let's rewind it a little farther. Back to those Olympic marathon trials that we previewed last time out. It was a wonderful event in Orlando, Phil. Quickly, to go through the results, Connor Mance is your winner in 209.05. His teammate Clayton Young right there with him step for step, 209.06. They are both locks to make the team. Uh, As you remember, they had unlocked two spots based on their times in previous marathons. Leonard Career stormed back for third, 209.57. He is, I guess we would say, on the bubble for the Olympics at this point. We'll have to see what happens on points moving forward. Uh, maybe the American hero of the day was Zach Panning. Oh, uh, what the, a beautiful race he ran. Yeah, from the Brooks Hansen's team. We got out to a slow start in this race, and then Panic, excuse me, Panning just went like, Sammy Wanjiru, 2008, Beijing. I'm going off the front in the hot, humid weather, and I'm going to press because I know I have to hit this 208 mark to assure a spot. He was right there through 20-plus miles. He led Young, and Mance made a move on him with just a few miles to go. And unfortunately, uh, Zach faded from there to sixth place, but, but a, really an admirable effort. The women's race, I thought, was more fun, Phil. There was a bigger pack for a longer time. And then the winning three, that was an interesting combination of names. Fiona O'Keefe wins in her marathon debut. Not afraid to mention once again, that was my dark horse to make the team. There you go. (laughs) You're welcome, America. Uh, Emily Sisson is second, 222.10. For Fiona O'Keefe, 222.42 for Sisson. And friend of the show, former guest, Dakota Linworm, patient, bided her time, hung in there. And as a really, really deep field started to crumble, she emerged. 225.31, she takes the third spot in the field. What a performance from Dakota. That was super exciting to see. That was a fantastic result for her. Yeah, it was. Maybe if we want to say some surprises, Kira D'Amato uh, faded off that pack early and, and was a, a DNF in the men's race. There were a handful of DNFs that were certainly disappointing to fans like uh, Scott Fobble, Paul Chalimo, uh, Jake Riley, an Olympian last time around. Uh, and then, of course, in what was perhaps Galen Rupp's last stand, he finished 16th. I do suspect we see him making a lot of money appearing at American marathon majors. I don't think this is the end for him. 
I, th- I think he can still see himself potentially as competitive, and I know he will have some appearance fees that would make it worth his while to continue on. I don't know. I, 2028 Los Angeles seems like such a long shot, but I'm sure there's something inside him that thinks it would be really cool to end the whole career racing at home in a marathon. Yeah, I, I kind of have mixed thoughts on that as well. Like we, you know, we come back to LA in 2028. Yeah, I certainly could see him hanging around for another four years to try to make that team because he's still relevant and he's still very competitive. And I think he can draw significant appearance fees and a significant fan base to at least the domestic major marathons, you know, Chicago, New York, Boston over the next couple of years. But I don't even think it's something that he does for the money or to draw out his career. I mean, he's had a fantastic contract with Nike for his whole career. Uh but I could certainly see him hanging around for one last try. And to a degree, I'd like to see him hang around for one last try uh, for, for L.A. Yeah, if but, he wants it, Phil, he's, he's earned the right to continue to compete and oh, go out on his own terms. Sure. Yeah. We promised boots on the ground, our man on the course. And it turns out you were in the vicinity of the course. Oh, I had a fantastic view of the event. The play-by-play, it was a gorgeous day. Woke up that morning, clear blue skies. Uh, had a lovely hotel room right behind a giant statue of King, King Triton. Uh, <laughs> there at Disney's Art of Animation. Uh, took the Skyliner up to a lovely breakfast overlooking downtown L.A. L.A.? Uh, excuse me, Orlando. <laughs> you got as- your tickets for 2028. <laughs> As the gun goes off, Mickey's coming down the aisle to to meet my beautiful daughter, to take pictures with her, and to to sign her autograph book as I'm digging into a beautiful plate of eggs and bacon and and biscuits. So, yeah, we promised we'd be there on the ground in Orlando. We were present on Orlando, but uh, yeah. changed plans a little. Or plans changed a little bit. Yeah, uh, and had a nice, lovely character breakfast uh, with. Mickey and Minnie and uh, Donald and Daisy. So it was a great morning. To be fair, you did expect to be at the race. As you said, the the schedule got shuffled and you are a family man first. So uh, that's right. I, I'm proud of you for, for handling the important business and making sure your daughter had a great trip. Uh, now, me, me getting in an Uber to go watch the marathon trial solo gets quickly overridden to a family breakfast with uh Mickey and Minnie. Yeah, so. yeah. You made the right decision, Phil. That's right. Uh, it, it was it was fun to uh, watch even on television. I was texting back and forth with you thinking that you were there, uh, only to find out later, no, you were just like following this via Twitter from like 10 miles away. <laughs> uh, and I can tell you that there was nobody there at Disney that had any idea that the, uh, the trials were going on. But that's <laughs> the Orlando tourist industry for you. Phil, you were sending some great material all week in preparation for the race. I believe there was a text. I should go back and read it. Something along the lines of, I just met some Norwegians in Epcot Center. They looked confused when I asked them about double threshold. <laughs> that, was, that was fantastic. She was from, she was from Bergen, uh, Norway. The oh. home of Olaf Alexander Boo and Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden. Yeah. yeah. I figured she'd be friends with them, but I just got a funny look when I asked uh, her thoughts on double threshold training. (laughs) 
Well, we'll have to direct her to the podcast for more details. That's right. Um, it's been a bit since these races. So we realize you've heard the results. We wanted to analyze the event from a slightly different angle. And that's advancing the discussion about the shoes the top athletes wore. There's some uh, info about this uh, on the internet, but we went through all the pictures from the top 10 men and women to try to give you a better idea of uh, not just what they wore, but what that means is coming for all of us. Because mm -hmm. in an Olympic year, we get all the best new race tech. And we saw that on the feet of the athletes in Orlando, for sure. Let's start with the women's race. In the women's field, it was a big day for Puma, Phil. No uh, kidding. We saw the Deviate Elite Nitro version 3 on the winner, Fiona O'Keefe, and third place finisher, Dakota Linworm. And... Annie Frisbee in 10th wore that shoe as well. Uh, that's a prototype version. It's not out yet. And it just went on the World Athletics prototype list in time for the trials. It was clear that day, correct? That is correct. Yeah. Version 2 has been out for a time now. They also have another model, the, the Fast R. Uh, it's interesting that none of their athletes were in that on mm -hmm. that day. None of these top athletes. I believe this is going to be a summer release. I don't have a specific date on it, but Puma has really gone in on female athletes and they reaped some rewards in Orlando. Uh, so uh, that was just fun to see a brand that even four years ago at the trials was pretty much off the radar uh, mm -hmm. have such success in the women's field. Well, because they have always traditionally had a presence, at least in the sprinters world, you know, longtime mm -hmm. sponsors of, of Usain Bolt, but this puts them on the map as equal to really all the other major brands of having a like strong competitive race day marathon shoe. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, not that anyone necessarily would have picked going in Fiona O'Keefe and Dakota Linworm to make the team, but Puma has invested well with who they're sponsoring, and you know this proves that that is a solid product. Absolutely. Yeah, the runner-up, Emily, Emily Sisson, was in the forthcoming New Balance Super Comp Pacer version 2. I'm stoked for this shoe, Phil. I've had it on my foot. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit more of a 5K, 10K model that doesn't go up to the stack height limits. That fits Emily's background, really feeling comfortable as a track runner. So they did beef this up from the current version, and they built this shoe around her foot. This is built on... A, a female last and then sized up from there, which is very uncommon in the running yeah. shoe world. You're typically going to use a, a male last. The specs with the stack height and, and the offsets are interesting in that they are quite similar to the original Nike Vaporfly 4%. Uh, the, the weight is a touch heavier, but that's probably the closest on specs of any shoe that's been out. And uh, this will be a second half of 2024 shoe. I believe you'll see it in stores in August. And it, I think it's going to have a smaller niche in the market than these other competitors' shoes we talk about. But within that space, it might be really fun. Like I would undoubtedly lace one up for a, a 5K. You might see me at a turkey trot near you in one of these, Phil. Well, this is, what, this is a shoe that I think is very interesting because it's not what has become a traditional marathon shoe, that it's, it's not nearly as beefy, doesn't have quite as high of a stack, but almost seems like a much better version of what we hope the Nike Streak Fly would be. Yeah. You know, like a, a, a lower profile 5K, 10K racer, 
um, that to some degree got mixed reviews. Whereas this, I think, is going to be quite a popular shoe, maybe not for the masses to run marathons in, but is a great you know, 5K, 10K race shoe. Yeah, I think you might have a category that uh, like an avenue of super shoes here, as you mentioned, like Streak Fly, Adidas Takume Sin. This super comp pacer might all fit into it. There's a little more shoe here than in either of the other two. But yeah, it is that more traditional type, lower to the ground, not in the sense of how low to the ground they were a decade ago, but lower to the ground than what we know right now, racer. So yeah, I, it's going to be fun. I, I look forward to that one. ASICs did especially well in Orlando, Phil. That included the women in, in positions five, six, seven, and eight. They were all in the Metaspeed series, as was Clayton Young at second in the men's race. The Metaspeed Sky Paris is set for an early March release. This one's going to be out in a couple weeks. And this is perhaps the shoe from the trials that most excites me. ASICS has kept this thing so tight. This is like internet embargo to the highest level. There's virtually nothing out there except for a few pictures of these prototypes that look like the old version. They look like the current Metaspeed Sky Plus uh, because they they disguise the shoe in the current colorways. So like there's a a, a pink version of this Asics that's out right now. And since last year at we saw actually the third place finisher at Berlin in the men's race was in the prototype of the new one, but the colorway made it look like the, the current one. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a, an iteration of the shoe that we saw Emma Bates in at Boston last year when she had a lot of success. The details are this, Phil. It is going to a higher stack, so it's going to push up to the legal limit. That mm-hmm. means at the heel, you're at six plus more millimeters of foam. Okay. Uh, offsets are going to stay the same. And it introduces what they're calling Flight Foam Turbo Plus. It was just turbo in previous editions. There's also a big chunk, a layer of turbo in the Super Blast. So people Mm -hmm. might be familiar with the foam. And this appears to be a slightly softer foam in durometer than the older version. Also, the shape of this, how it flares out under the foot is going to be slightly different. But these are tweaks I thought could make the current addition into a top-notch marathon racer. So I can't wait to see it in a couple of weeks. We've seen ASICs with a lot of success in the triathlon space with this mm-hmm. shoe in particular. Uh, I've mentioned it before. I believe there's two reasons to that. One, the shoe is very stable with very resilient foam. And when you're like six, seven, eight hours into activity, I, I think yeah. there's some value in that. And the other piece is ASICs has invested in the triathlon world. Uh, so the, you know, the people see their product on the feet of the leaders. It's potentially... Uh, the shoe from this group that even though it looks so similar to what they've had out before could be a really big fun jump forward. We'll have limited quantities of this, uh, of this shoe at Columbus running company coming out in March. So yeah, it's going to be synced up with the uh, Tokyo marathon release uh, because they are a title sponsor there. And yeah, so Metaspeed Sky Paris, from my understanding is essentially like your third iteration of the Metaspeed Sky there will be also then a Metaspeed Edge Paris. That'll be the third iteration of that shoe. So there was the original, the Plus, and mm-hmm. now this. Uh, they will have Paris colorways that come out in March and then a color up again in July. Uh, it's interesting to note only one Nike in the women's top 10, Phil. Uh, that to me is 
perhaps a sign of the leveling of the shoe, super shoe playing field. I don't believe it says that Nike has fallen back as much as it says others have started catching up. The other fascinating piece with Nike for me is that we, we saw the new Alpha Fly 3 on some feet, like Leonard Career as the third male. But the men's champ, Connor Mance, wore the original Alpha Fly 1. Galen Rupp has continued to wear that all these years since the 20th right. tri trials. I don't know, maybe that says something about individual preference, or perhaps it's about the progress or lack thereof in that model. I, I think there's general consensus that the first version was significantly better than the second. Mm -hmm. There seems to be optimism around the third. I I'll make a bold proclamation too, Phil. I think if you go into the Vaporfly series, that first next percent mm -hmm. within the next percent line, I think it might still be the best of those shoes too. I, Interesting. Even I, more than the new the new Vaporfly that got released recently. Yeah, I think it's as good. Um, okay. You know, there's always going to be individual preference, but I, I I can't say that that new one is substantially better. It's a good shoe. Just thoughts on uh, this, um, if we want to call it leveling of the field here. No, I think your point that you know, Nike is no longer the only name in the game of the super shoe market anymore. And across the board, I mean, even Brooks had a great showing with their athletes in the Hyperion Elite Four. You had, you had CJ Albertson there in fifth. You had Zach Panning there in sixth that were in that shoe, which you know, previously Brooks really hadn't kept up with all the other brands. As well, I think athletes are being a whole lot more savvy and finding a shoe that works really well for their specific needs. You know, with Emily Sisson not being in the Super Comp Elite, but opting for the super comp pacer, but with like Connor Mance going for the Alpha Fly 1 versus the Alpha Fly 3, just finding that shoe that works really well for, for their specific needs and what they what they like. So the short answer is I don't think, you know, certainly Nike is not the only uh, shoe on the block anymore. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting uh, as some of these shoes start coming out over the next couple of months, the stuff that's gets, getting released before Paris. Uh, we have an embarrassment of riches right now with, with great options. Yep, that's right. Who wins from all this? Us, the consumers, yeah. the running public, the shoe geeks. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the Brooks shoe. Uh, thanks for getting to that, Phil. That's the Hyperion Max Elite 4. Uh, you saw the guys from the Brooks Hansons team in that shoe. Several of them were in the top 10. And as you mentioned, CJ Albertson, who closed strong, was in that shoe. We had two Adidas athletes in the top 10, both Reed Fisher and Emily Durgan. They were the ninth place finishers in their respective races. They wore the Adidas Adios Pro 3. I like that shoe a lot. I'm just disappointed in the delays we've seen from Adidas in an updated model because that shoe is now going on nearly two years yeah. since its release. And I don't expect anything from them to the masses until at least the fall. This has gotten postponed. They gave us that ultra limited release $500 Evo last fall. I mean, they were just like, several hundred pairs of this other than what their athletes wore. They have, the new Audios Pro has been delayed and perhaps in an open-ended way. I, I have yeah. not seen the fourth version. The rumblings are fall maybe, but uh, it's, it appears it's going to be a post-Paris shoe. It's important to remember most of these athletes are sponsored runners who are wearing their brand's racing shoe. So numbers in the top 10 aren't necessarily an indication of shoe superiority. But when compared to 2020, as you said, Phil, this is 
certainly an indicator that you don't have to be in just one or two brands mm -hmm. to compete at the top of the marathon heap. I remember in 2020, Nike's got a room full of alpha flies in Atlanta that they're handing out to anyone who qualified and people are getting them a day or two before the marathon, putting them on yep. and first run is at the trials because there was such a belief in its superiority. And frankly, it may well have been true. There were some decent competitors. One last piece to mention, you did bring up Emily Sisson not being in the Super Comp Elite version four. You know, they built that other model around her for her mm -hmm. for this intent. Don't let that fool you into thinking that version four, the Super Comp Elite is a step back because my opinion, again, a shoe on foot. Version three, we've reviewed really nice. It was soft. It was a nice long run shoe. It just wasn't aggressive. They made some steps forward with the fourth one. And that's pretty much unanimous from everyone I've talked to who has also been in that shoe. So I think they've got some good stuff coming. They have some, some trainers coming that we will soon review here that I'm very excited about as well. Excellent. Yeah. To close, Phil, uh, on a sad note, we lost two legends of the sport this week. First, the shocking news of Kelvin Kiptum passing in a car crash on Sunday. He was 24 years young and leaves behind a young family. We only knew Kiptum on the world stage for really little more than a year. Yeah. But he left an, an indelible mark. Uh, he was the marathon world record holder the most likely contender to break two hours in an upcoming competition, perhaps as soon as Rotterdam this spring, mm -hmm. his next scheduled attempt. We would have loved to have seen him and Kipchoge duel in Paris if that was possible uh, this summer. And Kiptum ran several of the most electrifying second halves of marathons we will ever see. Phil, this news was almost surreal in the same way I felt hearing Sami Wanjiru died over a decade yeah. ago. Yeah. And I think maybe for the general sporting public, probably the way some people reacted when they heard there's a helicopter crash and Kobe Bryant's gone. What were your first uh, reactions when you heard this sad news? Uh, I hate to think this, but almost that it, it was a parody or a joke. Yeah, uh, I know. In that uh, I was on a text group with some other friends and somebody had sent through a, you know, basically a, a framed picture and, you know, said that Kipton had passed, but it looked almost like uh, it was a satire kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, but then shortly thereafter, not within five, 10 minutes, probably another three or four running buddies kind of sent a similar message through. And so it's more like, Oh my goodness, what, what has happened? Yeah. Um, and, I mean, he was just coming into his prime. You know, like you said, he he really hit the international running scene back in Valencia in 2022 when he ran 201.53, uh, where, you know, we talked about this uh, back then of, you know, this is a shocking performance. Uh, but then he went on and backed it up with a fantastic win at London later in the spring of 23. And then that world record performance in Chicago this past fall. So, you know, he was almost the the inevitable next uh, heir to Kipchoge's throne. Uh, you know, we were all looking forward to the two of them going head to head at the Olympics. You know, he had been announced to be at Rotterdam in April and uh, had made statements that he was planning to go for the to break two hours in a, a legal open event, and really looked like he was uh, on on track for that. So we only knew him as as fans, but it, it's 
heartbreaking to think of the the future and the career that he he could have had. Yeah, as you said, disbelief was my initial reaction, and uh, far beyond his accomplishments on the roads to lose uh, a young life full of such uh, optimism and hope and potential and vigor is is saddening Mm -hmm. Uh, then this morning we learned of the passing of distance legend henry rono while running at washington state rono earned laurels that are Reminiscent in recent years of maybe Oregon legend Ed Cheserek, as he dominated the collegiate distance scene. In the summer of 1978, Henry Rono broke four distance world records. Later, he struggled with the demons of alcoholism and associated health issues. Uh, There were some pretty remarkable comebacks over the years from him, performances that he had while out of shape that are just breathtaking. I had the privilege of meeting him in Oxford, Ohio, probably 15 plus years ago now. And uh, I found him to be a man of great humility and kindness. And so it was really saddening to to see this news as well. So to both Henry Rono and Kelvin Kiptum, we wish you peace and uh, we do to your families as well. Phil, any last thoughts before we sign off for tonight? I'm just looking forward to seeing you in a week and a half and having you down for the Swamp Rabbit Half. I think that'll be a great weekend. I haven't looked at the far two out forecast yet, but that's always a uh, temperatures are usually pretty good. Great competition and a, and a great course. I did peek at it today knowing we, we are re- recording. And if it holds, there's potential for some great weather. So fingers crossed. So yeah, I look forward to that as well. That's all for mile 169. We look forward to spending some time with all of you again soon on mile 170. And hopefully to seeing some of you in Greenville at the half marathon next weekend. So everybody have a great week. If you're training for that half, enjoy the last few sessions and maybe a bit of a taper next week. And we will catch you next time right here on Seconds Flat.